seated. As we jump in to today's message, it's a message that you will see I will speak to you as a pastor. Um, there are some messages where are just informative, some where you could describe it however you want to describe it. And today God put this message as, a, um, as the pastor of this house just to speak to my heart and to the hearts of the sheep that call this home. I pray that you really open up your heart to it. It's actually part four of a series that we're doing called Bring It. Bring It. The first week we spoke about bring it on. Uh, bring it on. Then we talked about uh, bring it back. And then we went into bring it to. And today, if I were to title this anything, here it is. If you take notes, it's titled bring it for. Bring it for. We could get so lost with that and confuse it with bring it to. But today I really want to stress what bring it for, what God put in my heart to you guys. And it uh, won't be long, straight to the point, but yet if you take it in, it'll be powerful and it'll bring growth to your life. Amen? I started to think about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is teaching. And he's teaching the church of Corinth about Israel's history and the problem in which they had, which was idolatry. They consistently had a problem of idolatry in the past. And he tells the church in 1 Corinthians 10 to remember, remember our history, church. Remember where our ancestors have come out of. Just to kind of give you, a, I don't have time to, get, to give you all the details, but so you could get an understanding of what was going on with Israel. They were, they were sexually promiscuous. The people of Israel, they, they ate together, Paul tells the church in 1 Corinthians 10, and then they partied together. You know, they broke bread together, they opened up the word together, and then they just like partied together and danced together. And, and when I say party, I really mean all, like not just like confetti and they had a good time dancing. I mean, they partied, just use your imagination, together. They were a mess. And that sin, eventually, look how serious God takes sin. Because I want to make sure you understand that we are a church that, do talk, that does talk about sin and, and God deals with sin. Amen? And that sin in their lives led them to 23,000. That's a lot. Of, that's, that's like a Miami Heat basketball game. Full. Every seat. Full. 23,000 of them ended up dying because of their ongoing sin. You know, these people, the children of Israel, they felt as if, as if God should serve them rather than they should serve God. God should serve us rather than us serving God. That's a very, listen, if, if, you're, if you're there, that's a very dangerous place to be. That God should serve me rather than us. We should be serving God. Amen? And one of the things that Paul does in 1 Corinthians 10 with this church is he's addressing a part of them that is very hypocritical. It's hypocritical arguments that they're having. And it's funny because it's about food, and that's why I kind of stress food a little bit, because someone said, the food. And they actually were arguing about food. What food to eat, when not to eat it. This food was given to idols, and you shouldn't eat it. And a brother in the church was like, I could care less who this food was given to. God, I'm going to bless this food over this food. God's giving me power over this food. I'm going to eat this food. I could care less who they say this food is dedicated to. 
So he begins to address their hypocritical arguments about food. And some were condemning others of what they should eat. I'm going to read a passage in 1 Corinthians 10 from 28 to 30. Just listen to this um, pastor bishop speaking to his flock. Ready? He says, don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So you see this wrestling. You see this wrestling of of just petty items and petty things and dumb conversations while their soul's being lost. You know? And that's what Paul is addressing. And it's no different with some in the faith that we might and may do life with uh, today. Um, it's just we, we find these little things and these little differences, and, and, and sometimes they become a big problem when they never should. And I know that there are some people like, why should I care? My freedom in the Lord. You know, I could just thank God for this food, and I could just enjoy it. Why should I be ca- condemned for eating it? Why are you condemning me for eating this kind of food? And, but I love in all of the arguments that are going on and everything that's happening in the church of Corinth, I love what Paul says next. Chapter 10, verse 31. And this is my main point, guys. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. How many of you can say amen? That's it. And and, and Paul's like, here it is. This is our purpose, church. This should be our aim in all things. That in all things, whatever we do, It should be all done for the glory of God. It should be for the glory of God. And that's my first point. My first point is so simple. Here it is. It's bring it for the Lord, for His glory. And that's really much the message today. Bring it for the Lord, for His glory. That all things that we may bring, that we bring it to the Lord and for the glory of the Lord. For the Lord and for His glory. You know, so many times I, I do think, and, I, and I've been doing this since I was 20. I'm going to be 35 for 15 years consistently in a church, pastoring and mentoring and, and just loving on people and just being there for people, hearing people, sometimes never saying anything, just opening my ears, um, knowing other pastors, hearing them out, um, things within their church. And I said, man, so many times I've, I've seen this. Um, and I think about the petty things, right, that, that churches argue about, fight about, disagree about. And then it makes me think, man, as we bring this to the Lord, as we bring all these differences, is it really for His glory? All these conversations and all our problems with our families and with our church family and all the things that we decide on, is it really for His glory? And I've learned in my years as a Christian and in the church that, that we do, we do to oppose and and even fight against those who are or should be with us in the house of faith and we at times oppose and even fight more against them right the church does this so well than those that are outside of the house of faith and maybe you've come from a church that you've experienced that and i think when i when i look at churches and i see this scripture in first corinthians 10 i say man that's satan's job satan's satan's job is this good good i want you to stand against each other I want you to destroy one another from the inside. From the inside, bring forth the damage because soon you won't be standing at all. I I think that's Satan's heart. Hey, one less people to come against. 
And that's fine to confront these things. And I think of Rome and the famous quote, right? Rome being destroyed from within. So I want us to do something as we mature today in the word. Here it is. As believers, as Christians, and as the church, to think of the believers around us. To think of our very own families that are not inside this room. Think of everything that you do today. Is whatever and everything that you do, is it for the glory of God? Is it for the glory of God? You know, you could just stop on that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says this to Thessalonica. He says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Isn't that awesome? Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Another translation says it this way. For he called us to share in his kingdom and his glory. What a, what a powerful scripture that is. You know, throughout this month, I've, I've spent give you, with you guys just giving you a charge throughout this month of January, starting 2016, as your pastor, giving you a charge, giving you an encouragement, giving you a push, that 2016 will be a year that you will bring it, right? right? Amen. Bring it. And I've been doing this week in and week out, Sunday by Sunday, bring it, conversation by conversation, bring it. And this may be difficult to, to bring it and to bring it for the glory of the Lord. That might be a difficult task. We might need to humble ourselves. We might need to examine ourselves. That this year, that all that I do and that all that we will do, that we will let it be, yes, that we will let it come to that point, that it will be for the Lord and for the glory of the Lord. That it would bring glory to his name. That we would bring it for the Lord and for his glory. The psalmist, I want you to really catch these words as I, as I get to these points. In Psalm 96, chapter 96, verse 3, look what the psalmist says. He says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. What an amazing passage. You see, I love the specific words used by the psalmist here. Look what he's using here. Of all that was said in this short Nothing was really about us. Did you catch that? The specifics here are important. It says here, we are declaring, yes, that's part of us. We are telling of, yes. But look, what it, look at the specifics. It's not of our doing. And it's not of anything of ourselves. But the psalmist says, it's of his glory and of his marvelous works. And I read this and I say, come on, man. Let's look at this passage and let's look at the stuff that I'm talking about and let's get mature about these points because I don't know what you carry and what you're thinking about. Some things, yeah, I might know, but some things I don't know what you carry inside, inside your marriage, inside your own heart. I don't know what you're necessarily thinking about right now. Can't do that. I haven't mastered the, the gift of mind reading. I don't know why you did or why you did not worship this morning. I don't know why you gave or why you did not give. I don't know why you grumble or why you encourage. I don't know all these things, what you bring. But I do, and I want to do this, I want to ask you this. Is what you bring on a daily to the Lord, at the end of the day, is it for his glory? I might not know what you're offering right now. 
I might not even know what you're thinking about me right now. It's, it's okay. Or the person next to you right now. But at the end of everything that I say today, I go back to this one point. Whatever you bring, is it the best? Is it for his glory? Is it giving glory to your Lord? If no, if it's not, we come face to face with that wrong and we begin to make it right. We don't go another day bringing it to the Lord, that which we bring that doesn't give God the glory. We don't go another day living like that. I want to share what happens to King Saul, a story that some of you might know. King Saul had a rough time with this. In the Old Testament, we find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Saul had a rough time. He wasn't fully obedient to the Lord. He was the king of Israel, the first king. And he did not bring to the Lord fully what the Lord had asked of him to bring. Bring it. He didn't bring it fully. He brought some obedience to the Lord while still remaining or being found with some disobedience. He killed all of the enemies of Israel, but yet he kept their king. Like, why did you do that? You're supposed to destroy them all. Oh, well, at least I did some of it. And God's like, no, 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 you do all of it. You bring it all. If not, it's pointless. Bring it all. And, you know, I, I, this week I was able to read this story again, and I read it again. And it sounds like he brought it to the Lord when I read it right off the bat. But when you really focus on Saul's life, he really didn't bring it for the Lord's glory. If you really look between the lines and, and really see the story. Because if he would have done it for God's glory, Saul would have done it right. And I love this. Saul would have done it fully. But I read the story of Saul in 1 Samuel 15. And I start to recognize that Saul's problem was this. That some of what he brought really wasn't for the Lord. It was actually for his own glory. It was actually for his own pleasures. It was actually for his own desires. Hey, do you know anyone that lives for their own desires? Do you know anyone that lives for their own? Some of you that are married are just like, <laughs> you're preaching to him good today. You're, you're preaching to her good, man. It's going to be good. For some of you guys, you're like, I, I'm never coming back to this church. You don't know what's going to happen on the car ride home. But we all know someone that stamps the name of Jesus, but yet it's for their own glory, for their own pleasures, and maybe for their own desire. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in pastors. I've seen it in your regular day-to-day -day people. And I love what Samuel, God's prophet, tells King Saul. Here's Saul. He's basking in his glory. like, ah, I killed all our enemies. We conquered. We won. We are victorious. Samuel comes to visit Saul. He's like, so how'd you do, Saul? I did exactly what God said. Really? What's that? I destroyed all the enemies. Destroyed all the spoil. I got rid of everything that could ever come back and harm us. It's over, man. Samuel, we did it. Israel, baby. And Samuel looks at him and says, really? Can I ask you a question? What is it, Samuel? Why is the king still over there? Why did you capture him? Why did you, you arrest him? Well, you know, I was thinking maybe we could do something with the king. Maybe we could kind of put him in trial. Maybe we could kind of like torture him a little bit. I don't know. Maybe we could do some stuff with him. And Samuel says, no, you're wrong. God told you to destroy it all, but you felt in your heart what was right to your own heart, what seemed right to you, you felt that you needed to keep him alive when God never told you to keep him alive. See, you might have 
you might have obeyed in many things, but you disobeyed in one thing. And at the end of the day, that is still disobedient to God. Whether it's one thing out of a hundred things that you did right, one thing you did wrong, wrong is still wrong. So why did you do this? And Sam, you know, Saul's like, oh, he started to sweat. But, you know, come on, Samuel, don't take it so serious. No, we're going to take God's word serious. And when God spoke this to you, I want to take that. And I want to confront you with that. Like, why didn't you destroy that thing that God told you to destroy? I love what Samuel tells Saul next. Look at this. Chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel's reply to Saul is this. What is more pleasing to the Lord? King Saul, what is more pleasing? Is it your offerings? Is it your sacrifices? Or your obedience to his voice, to his word? Look what Samuel says. Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. I have the ability to be a a teacher of Bible and to be a pastor of a church, and I love it when students come up to me, and they do this. They come, walk up to me, my desk, or my little podium thing that I have in my classroom, and they're smiling. I'm like, okay, and they just walk up to me with something Make, they're making noise with it, and it's a piece of paper. And they walk up to me with a smile, and they're like, Mr. F, I did your assignment. And they're all happy, right? And I look at them, and I try to be nice about things. I'm not a mean teacher all the time. <laughs> Some of my old students are here, but you know who they are. Some who gave me the gray hairs that I have right now. She's over here. And I look at them, and I was like, so I don't get it. What do you want me to do? I did your assignment, your homework. I'm like, and what do you want? (laughs) I'm going to stop the class and you're so happy. You see, I think people get it wrong. They want to be praised for something that they should do. I expect you to do your assignment. I'm not going to praise you for doing something that you are expected to do. But I did it anyway, Samuel. No, 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 no. God expected you to do this. This wasn't like, well, you did good. Well, you know what? You haven't turned the first 15 assignments, but God is doing such a good thing in you. You did one. <laughs> like, when the grades average at the end, that child still fails. When I stand before God, this child still fails. When, when I could say, well, oh God, here I am standing before you, and I know you've given me some certain instructions and commands, and you've called me to live in a manner worthy like we just read in 1 Thessalonians. And I know that my marriage was a disaster, and my wife hated to see my face when I got home. And I know that my children couldn't stand their father. And I know I couldn't even give not even 2% of my tithe. And I know that... that that all these things, but man, at least I pastored every Sunday, God. And he looks at me and says, what? You think that's a reward? You think I'm happy today because you present to me a ministry when a life is falling apart? And, and that's what's happening in this story. He's like, I did it. I did it. I killed the enemies. And Samuel's like, what about him? Well, well, nothing. What's wrong is still wrong. What's disobedient is still disobedient. Even if you did 99 right things, that one is wrong. That's awesome. It's humbling. 
It, it's, it's strengthening to the one who's in the word because it shows me how desperate I am for more of Jesus. How much more I need of his words. And he tells him something. He's like, what's better, huh? All of your sacrifices? Lord, I prepared the best rams and the fat of the ram, and I'm going to burn them up to you. Let it be a sweet aroma to you. And I love what Samuel says. Do you think God cares about the fat of the ram if the obedience of Saul has not been given yet? Don't sacrifice and offer nothing if you first have not learned how to stand in obedience. That's good. You're here cooking up rams. And God is more concerned about your heart than those dumb rams. You're here giving up offerings. And God is more concerned about the obedience of your heart. Because what you think is what brings glory to the Lord does not outweigh what really brings glory to the Lord. And he's not concerned whether your sacrifice, fat of the rams, is what's giving glory to the Lord. What he wants to make sure is that your life of obedience is what's bringing it for the glory of God. That's it. It's my life. Not my rams that I could offer. Not my ministry that I could offer. Not my marriage that I could offer. It's all of my life. Not just one specific thing. Lord, it's all of me. Saul, you did wrong. You should have done it God's way, Saul. Samuel's telling him that. Saul, you shouldn't have done it your way. What you did, Saul, though it might seem right in your heart, it's still wrong. Hey, have any of you ever done something that seemed right in your heart, but at the end, nothing good was produced out of it, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, I thought it was right, but dang, was it wrong. I said dang, get over it. Dang, it's it wrong. How many of you? You know how many times I thought I was right? This is what you should. You know how many times I've counseled someone? This is what you should do. I go to bed and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I just told that person that's what they should do. We all do that. We think we know what's right and we do what's right, but at the end, though you even might be right, it's, 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 at that moment it was wrong. I love, I love that God does that to me. How many of you love it? We don't love it. Don't lie. I hate that God does that to us. What you did, Saul, though it might seem right in your heart. Church, can I just make this personal? What you did, church, what you did, what you seemed right in your heart. Um, good news, Samuel says, it, it's still wrong because, because why? Does anyone know the answer yet? Because why? Because it does not bring glory to the Lord. Hey, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. But what are you bringing today? Come on. Uh, me and Maori. Me and Maori. Whatever the heck happens between me and Maori, at the end of the day, this has to be brought before the glory of the Lord. Me and this church before the glory of the Lord. Everything that I bring to Christ, whether it's my child, my wife, my brother, my sister, the fellowship, whatever it might be, do I bring it for the glory of the Lord? Do I bring it to the Lord for his glory? Bring it for, bring it for. Like, what are you bringing and what reasons are you bringing it for? Well, I thought it would be good for me. I thought I would. No, no, no. It's got to be for his glory. How many of you could say amen? And I leave you there to think about that. Think about what you bring today. Some of you guys need to start bringing things, bringing it for the glory of the Lord.
because I'm going to be very honest. I told you I was going to speak to you today as a, as a pastor straight up to you today. Next week will be about love, and trust me, it'll be so beautiful. <laughs> We're going to talk about love next week. It's going to be good. But today I'm going to speak sharp if I have to. But bring it for the glory of the Lord, because if not, it's pointless. If not, you're using unnecessary energy. Bring it. And you know what's beautiful about this point, bring it for the Lord, for his glory? It leads me to my next point. Here it is. Because I've learned in my own life, I've seen it in the lives of many others, and I've seen it in the scriptures, and I've learned from the scriptures of many people's lives, that when I bring it for the Lord, for his glory, listen to what I'm about to tell you, I actually find in myself purpose, fulfillment, and joy. That's just to name a few things. I've seen that as I bring it for the Lord, I actually bring it for myself. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Number two is bring it for yourself. Really, it's just two points today. I don't even have ten points or five points. Um... And I believe this. I believe that our true worth and our true satisfaction will be found when we live for God's glory rather than ourselves. You could disagree with me, and I, and I don't care. But I'm going to be very honest with you. You will find satisfaction. You will find true worth if you stop living for yourself and you start living for God's glory. Try it. How many of you yesterday felt more alive yesterday in two hours out with the homeless than you have for maybe a month in your life, for the last month? How many of you could say? None of you? I feel stupid right now. Okay, good. I see some hands. I was like, man, this didn't go. What I thought was right, God said it wasn't wrong. <laughs> many of you raised your hands. You, you want to know why? I haven't done this in a while. You want to know why? Because what you did yesterday... It was nothing about you. You made a sandwich. You gave it away. You touched someone that was smelly and dirty. You hugged some of them. I saw some of you hugging them. You spoke to someone that you would never, if you were driving your car, you would put your window up that you would never normally have a conversation with. Come on, don't lie. Maybe there's one of you that's like, not me. Like, I have a heart for the homeless. And maybe, then that's not you. But, but many of us felt more alive yesterday in two hours than we have the last month, the last year of our lives. I think you got it. Because you started, or, or forget started, because you did something, ready? You lived for another glory. You lived for something else at that moment. You did it for another purpose, rather for yourself. Seriously, what did you gain for yourself in doing what you did yesterday? Watch. If you answer that correctly, right now, the first thing that you thought was like, actually nothing. But then you start to think about it, and you say, what? Well, actually everything. Because you recognize that when you live for his glory, when you live for his glory, then you find your true reason. And you begin to recognize that you also live and you bring it for yourself. I find myself when I live in him. But when I live for self, I find that I myself am the biggest disaster, the biggest one probably in this room. Most of you felt more alive yesterday than ever before in your life. Most of you. And I believe this, that our true worth, our true satisfaction is found right there when we live for God's glory rather than ourselves. So here it is, guys. The only way to achieve point number two, bring it for yourself. Here it is. Bring it for yourself. The only way is by living faithfully in point number one. Bring it for his glory. 
Because when you live for his glory, you will end up bringing it for yourself. Do you want to know what Jesus said to his crowds of followers and to his disciples? Mark chapter 8, verse 34, 35. Here it is. If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. Let him follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Man, this passage is clear to me. I get it. I I get that I will find eternal life later if I lose my life now, if I die to self now. But I get this and I understand that if I live for his glory, if my life is brought before him for his glory, I then find true purpose for my life and I actually save it while living on earth. I don't have to wait for eternity to save my life. I can now live for a greater purpose today and find myself saving my life right now. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. You know what I started to think about? The prodigal son. You don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 15, if you write notes, go read it later. Verses 11 through 32. The prodigal son. He was filthy rich. He had it all. Lived in a big old house. Dad had everything for him that he could ever ask for. But one day, his pride was lifted up. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of living under dad's roof. And I want money is mine. And I want to go ahead and spend my money the way I want to spend it. He had all the riches a young man can have. But he found himself eventually as he left his father's house at the lowest place that he could ever see himself in. He was Naked and poor and he was miserable outside of his father's house. He came to his right mind. If you study that passage in Luke 15. And he recognized where he was most satisfied when he came to his right mind. It was not in the reckless things or in reckless living. It wasn't in the sinful living. It was not in spending money on all the thrills that life can offer. Study it good. Study the prodigal son. The prodigal son found himself thinking again of his father's house and how he was better off at his father's house. That's where he was better. That's where he found himself satisfied at. Away from what everyone else may look at as glamorous. Well, look at you. You can pay for whatever you want to pay for. You can have any girl you want. You can live anywhere you want. You have so much money. Spend it. Live glamorous. Instead, this young man finds himself thinking of his father's house. Cutting the story short, when he and his father meet again, he brings all of himself, which at this time it's not much. He brings all of himself for his father's glory. And then the son finds in the father again a true worth and full satisfaction. And I think about the prodigal son, and all I could say is this to you, church. Whether you are a believer, or maybe you're here visiting and you're not necessarily having given yourself fully into this, I want you to know that your best life now, or your better you, or your top 10 points in becoming a successful person, or whatever other things you want to title life or books you want to read. Now, here it is. Ready? All of yourself is best. All of yourself is better off when it's all for his glory. And that's the end. When it's for his glory. So, hey, you want this to be your best year. You want this to be your year. You want 2016 to finally be the year to bring it. Here is my conclusion. It can be. It can be, and it can be your best year. But here it is. If you bring it for his glory.
If it's not this year for the glory of God, not this year, then forget about it. Forget about this year. It's not going to work. So all I could say is, man, listen, church, bring it for his glory, and you're going to find true satisfaction. You're going to find fulfillment. Then right there, you will bring it for yourself at the end. That's it. That's it. As I get ready to close, I'm going to go to one more passage, and and we're going to wrap it up. But I speak to marriages. I speak to singles. And I speak to many people inside this church and outside this church. And when they tell me all their problems, just like when I tell myself all the problems and I look at the mirror, I always come to one question. Where is Christ in all of my problems? Where is Christ in that problem that I'm having in my marriage? Where is Christ in that problem that you're going through as a single? Where is Christ? And most of the times when every single person is having that problem, it's because Christ is absent from that problem. So I begin to ask tough questions. How is Christ the center of that? How do you bring what you are telling me right now to the Lord for his glory? Well, I haven't. I'm fed up, right? That's why there's no hope for it if it's not for his glory. How do you think you're going to succeed in this? I can't no more. I've given up, right? If you can't bring it for his glory, you're never going to see this thing get healed. You're never going to find fulfillment in yourself if you can't find true satisfaction in giving all of yourself for his glory. I end with this passage here. It's Jesus. And Jesus, the author of Hebrews, writes this. And look at these words from the words of our Lord. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering. Wow, does that sound like someone? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body, a body you have prepared for me. Look at verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, you had no pleasure. Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, I love what he says next, to do your will, O God. Man, memorize that verse. May the words of Christ be the same for us. Lord, you're not necessarily caught up with all my sacrifices and my offerings, Lord. That's not what you necessarily desire. But this body right here, who I am, prepared. Not in burnt offerings, not in sacrifices for all my sin. But Lord, here I am. I'm here to do your will, O God. Isn't that an amazing thing to say? May the words of Christ be the same for us. May it be to do his will. May may it be for his glory. May we say, here's my body, Lord, prepared to bring you glory. I don't know what else to say. I feel like I'm just going to continue to ramble. But all I could say is, church, Whatever you do today, whoever you speak to today, wherever you go today, whatever you do this week, whoever you speak to this week, I have meetings this week. And every meeting that I step into this week, I'm going to bring it for the glory of the Lord. That's it. That's how I'm going in. I'm not going to meet with Amando, which I'm not this week, but, and say, I'm going to get you today, man. I'm going to bring it for the glory of God. 
I had an interesting meeting the other day with some people in my life that I look at and I keep them high esteem in my heart. And I asked and I opened up about some tough things in my heart, things that I'm not the kind of person that normally opens up about some things. And I said, Lord, I'm going to take this step. It's taken me eight years as a pastor to take this step, and I'm going to finally do it. Sometimes for some of us, right, we take longer than what the Lord calls us to do it. And I spoke my heart. I wrote down everything so I don't forget anything that was in my heart. It was the toughest thing that I probably ever had to do as a 34-year-old man. One of the hardest things I ever had to do. You know what the end result was of me opening my heart this week to something that for me was very serious that I hid for eight years? And I shared it with people that I look at as my, they're my pastors, they're my leaders, they're my mentors. You know, you know how hard it was for me to do that? But today I stand here on a Sunday, and this is why I preach this word today, not because of anything of you guys. It's really because of something that I went through and something that I confronted this Friday. You know what that end result was of me having that conversation with them? And I said, Lord, I'm bringing this for one reason. Because I want to see your glory in this area in my life. So I'm going to open up. You want to guess what was revealed? You want to guess what was poured out? You're never going to believe me. I brought it with the right heart, with the right attitude. And as soon as that meeting ended, I saw God's glory all over it. Because I presented it to them and to him. For no other reason. I'm over all that. I'm over the stupidity, pointless, ridiculous immaturity that I carry as a Christian. Some of you guys need to get over the... Okay, let's go back to me. And when I did that, I saw the glory of the Lord. May it be like that in your marriage. May it be like that with your children. May it be like that with your friends. May it be like that with everyone you do life with. Some of you have that cubicle next to that person. My goodness, if you could throw a dart and by accident say, actually, I didn't mean to stab you with it. May it be with that cubicle guy or woman. Everything that you do, present it to the Lord. Man, pastor, you're really asking me to really examine every step. Why not? Now, when David prayed, Lord, examine me and, man, reveal to me things in my life. So here it is. Let's mature. Let's grow. Let's do things. And let's bring it for his glory. How many of you could say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together in your word. I don't want to be like Saul. That dead stuffers, selfish gain, self-glory. He felt what's right in his own heart. 
Lord, I want to do what's right before you. You know, this month of January has really encouraged me, God, because you've given me the desire to bring it and you've given me to tell the church to bring it. And you've spoken some powerful words to us this month. You've taught us today, to, this month, to bring it on. You've taught us this month to bring it back, to bring it to. And today I pray that no one forgets this today, that we would bring it for. There's dots behind, after that four and the lines have been filled in that all of our lives, that we would bring it before you. And as we bring our lives before you, that we would bring it for the glory of our precious Lord. Because I think about you and what you brought to the table. We took Lord's Supper today, what you brought to that cross. But you know what? All of that was for your glory. Yes, it was to save us. Yes, it was to redeem us. Yes, it was to sanctify us. But your work on the cross was ultimately for your glory. And who are we not to present our bodies for your glory? As you, Jesus, presented your body for God's glory. I pray that this word may have encouraged us, strengthened us to move forward, confront things that we could say, man, I'm going to do this right. Not what seems right, but what is right. And I'm going to bring it finally before the Lord. And I'm going to ask it, Lord, let this be for your glory in all that I do. Mature this people, mature me, strengthen us. Let us live in the greatest days ahead of us. Here we are sitting in this place, loving you, Jesus awaiting for your return. We cry out, come. Come, Lord. We long to be with you. Be with this world. Be with our government who is turning its back on you faster than anyone I've ever seen. I don't know who the next president will be, but I know you are president over all things. I don't know whether it'll be him or her or th- tired of all the rhetoric, rhetoric, Lord God. Maybe we could vote, but other than voting, we have no other control of things that might come. But we do have responsibility that our lives would be for your glory. That we would stand in a perverse, crooked, darkened world and that we would live in this world different than everyone else because we live for something else. Not us, not ourselves, but for your glory. Until the day you take us home, until the day that we're caught up with you. We long to see you, Jesus. We love you, our Christ, our King, our Savior. We bring it 2016 in the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> and together we say, Amen. You could give God some praise right there.